Father, thine be the glory, thine be the power, and the kingdom are yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bring up your Bible with you as you stand and turn to the book of Luke chapter 15, verse 20 to 24. Luke chapter 15, verse 20 to 24. Our dear brother Abel traveled to Ghana for a walk. Remember him in your prayer. And if today is your first time worshiping here, a warm greetings to you in the name of Jesus. At the end of the service, please. Uh, and endeavor to see that we catch up. Luke chapter 15, verse 20 to 24. And he arose and came to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate the word of the Lord. Father, breathe upon your word and make it life in our heart in Jesus' name. Please may you return to your seat. As we reflect the subject uh, uh, deep is the Father's love today, I want to mention by way of caveat, you know, I like to give caveats. Anytime I am preaching on kind of this topical subject that can be a bit sensitive to some of us, because the time given me is not enough to exhaustively deal with all the angles of fatherhood. So you may not have me say everything that you think I should say. So pardon me. But let me just mention by way of caveat that I understand that we live in a fallen world and fathers will not be fathers indeed. There will be we are broken people living in a broken world. So our expectation of what father or father should be sometimes must be managed in the light of our fallenness. We are not living in an ideal world. Secondly, I, I want to recognize that there are some folks, perhaps under the sound of my voice today, that don't even know their father. Some were born under some circumstances where their mom could not even tell them who their father is. Some grew up knowing only their mother and their mother's people. There are some that have abusive father, fathers that are real bullies. And they cannot even count how many times their head had chopped 
all kinds of knocks. Some parents abuse their own children, abuse their own female children. There are situations where even some fathers put their daughters in the family way. I understand and I know that it could be. So when we talk of fathers and such individuals sit in the congregation, they cringed because their own experience of a father was, was, was difficult. And there are some of us that have absentee fathers, fathers that you see once in a while. <laughs> it just passed by. Two nights, then three months she's away. Hey, I, I work with NNPC. I work as a policeman. You're always on the, uh, on the road. Many of us never, some of you, your dad were like that. Or some of, some of you were in a situation where your father married your mom, and your mom is like a second or third or fourth wife. You know? Some men, I don't want to mention some states, they are fond of doing that. If they are working in Taraba, they'll have a wife there. When they are working in Lagos, they have a Lagos wife. They are working in a do, they have a do wife. So they have, it's like they are donating women and children to every state of Nigeria. So you know your father is there, but you can hardly see your father. I sympathize with you. So when we speak of fathers, and then I say, and as some of us, as we celebrate Father's Day today, the memory of the memory of your father comes to you, and it's painful. You lost your father. You lost your father. Some of you watched your father die. You saw him sick. My dad used to tell me when his dad passed on, 1969. He just came back, and the father was lying down, not feeling too well. And as a young person, just become a pastor, he just came back from his stations to help the father with some chores. There are some work in the farm to be done. So he came from his station to help his father. So when he was done from the farm and came home, he went to the father's room. And the father said, are you back? He said, yes, I am back. And he said, OK. And then my father asked his dad, why don't you thank me? He said, oh, I've thanked you already. And then he, he looked at, he just opened his eyes and said, are you back? He said, yes, I've told you I'm back. He said, give me your hand. And then he gave him his hand and said, okay, please, don't fight with your brother. There were two boys. He said, don't fight with your brother. Secondly, never trust anybody. And then, and my father was trying to tell him about what he saw in the farm, but the man was gone. You can imagine the trauma. You are just telling him that uh, the banana down the river, uh, and then that's it, Papa, and then he, my father, up to today, speak of that event as if it happened yesterday. So many of us here this morning have different emotions running around as we reflect on fathers some good, and there are some of us that have fantastic, fantastic memories of our fathers, living or dead. That there are some fathers that are so, so caring, cook for mom and children. Uh, anytime you ask for money, they are like ATM. I mean, if you have father like that, anytime you ask them for money, they just pull out. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I, there are some fathers that are ATM. And there are some fathers, even when they have, they will complain. I be ATM. I be ATM. 
and then look at their wife. Mama, they do talk to your talk to your uh, children. It, it, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So we, but I want you to manage your emotions. And there are some fathers that are here this morning that are not happy. Of course, we don't really have older fathers in our church, thankfully. <laughs> Uh, there are some fathers, when they remember their own, they have tried their best and their children are, are wayward. And it's quite painful that, where, where have I missed it? And sometimes it can be terrible when you think as a father, you've done all you, you can and your children are not obeying you. It can be a sad thing. That, uh, and there are some fathers that are handicapped, either physically or Financially, they really want to provide for their family, but their hands are not uh, enough. I mean, if you have seen such fathers before, they really have desires to do, but things are not really lining up the way they were. It's really paining them. And on top of that, the wife is adding sort to injury and calling me a young man. See your mate, you know. But. Regardless of your situation today, all of us gather together. Happy Father's Day, eh? <laughs> Welcome to the world. The world is a mixture, it's a portfolio of all kinds of things. The good, the bad, the ugly. But the word of God does have things to say to us today as we reflect on Father's Day. So the sermon is for all of us, it's for fathers, and they will be fathers. I have not seen anyone that looks like a reverend father in this church, from Brown to George to, and Brown cannot be a reverend father. I mean, I've seen. Their eyes. So very soon, some of us will be fathers. This sermon also uh, relate to all of us. I want to begin my conversation with you by uh, defining what father means. There is this man called James Dobson. In the days of in my secondary school days, James Dobson will send parcel to all secondary school. It's an American preacher and evangelist on family. The name of the organization is called Focus on the Family. Focus on the Family. The definition they gave on their website, called uh, Bronner, one of his uh, contributors, talks about the things that the components of father. If if they say this thing is a father, this person is a father. What are the components of fatherhood? And he said the first thing he mentioned is that the father is, is a source. And he said our earthly father are an important source of our genetic makeup. And what that means is that if a person is a father, we are, I mean, let me qualify. When I talk about father, it's not about male, biological male. I'm not referring to trans. <laughs> male, proper male with, with with something in between, uh, uh, genetic makeup. It is from our fathers we, our, we, we get our life. We know God is the one that gives life, but without our father, the fathers are the source of life. It is from them uh, we derive our living. The second thing he said is about provision. Fathers provides. Thirdly, the issue of correction, the the business of collections are placed in the hand of fathers. And then you speak about love, uh, that fathers love. Uh, 
they love their family. The biblical definition I'm looking at International uh, Bible Encyclopedia defines father in this way. And you look at father, father in Hebrew is ab, A-V or A-B, it's called, and then the Aramaic render it Abba, Arabic Abba, and then, uh, but it came to Greek uh, as pater or patar, pa, papa, when we got the word papa. The word pa, the root word for pater is pa, and that pa means three things, a nourisher, a protector, and upholder. It carries this three components, a nourisher, if something that nourishes, so that our married can testify how you have been nourished by your husband uh, in the other room. He's a nourisher. He, he, he produces, he nourishes, he produces results. He protects the family and upholds uh, the family. Let me run through the definition. Uh, these are biblical definitions. Just give me your ear. He said, a father means immediate male ancestor. And the reason why I use the word immediate male ancestor is that the word father can be used for your grandpa, your great-grandfather, because our forefathers, isn't it? A word father can be used for even a king. Or it can be used for a foster father. It can be used, some Moravian father call themselves a father also and all that stuff. Can be used for many words. Talking about a father, your father is the immediate male ancestor. And he continued, the father in the Hebrew family, as is in the Roman family, had supreme rights over his children, could dispose of his daughter in marriage, Genesis 29, arrange his son's marriage, Genesis 24, sell his children, Exodus 21, verse 7, but not his daughter to a stranger, Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 5 had power of life and death, as is in the case of Isaac, Genesis 22, Jephthah's daughter, Judges 11:34, the sacrificing of his children to Molech, Leviticus 18, verse 21, 20, verse 3, etc. The father deserves respect, reverence, and affection, and then he continued the definition. Uh, I don't have time to go through the rest of the definition. So he's saying that the father is a male, immediate male ancestor and thus possess a kind of a quasi-absolute power over his family. That when you look at the antiquity, a father can give out his daughter in marriage. A father can actually sell his children. Of course, that is not right, but fathers thus sell their children way back because they are considered as he has the prerogative to sell his children. Uh, and the Bible gave some grave warning that if there are children that do not obey their parents, what should happen to them? They should be stoned to death. And it's so serious that the obedience to parental authority is given in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, to the extent that if you don't obey your father, your earthly father, you may not be blessed. 
there is a curse that comes with not obeying your earthly father and there is a blessing that comes with obeying your earthly father. I hope you are with me, church, to this point. We are not saying God is not the blesser. It's God that blesses ultimately. It is God that gives life ultimately. But it's through your father that you came here. All of you here, whether you were born in wedlock, outside wedlock, you came here by a man and a woman coming together in a union. So it is a very uh, serious issue to be a father. And it's a great institution that needs to be respected. Of course, we live in a world now where fathers are becoming less than what fathers should be. There are less and less and less examples in our days. Fathers now are carrying makeup bags. Eh? Some fathers now are having earrings. Some fathers now are having permed hair. Some fathers now are playing snooker. Uh, of course, eh? snooker, yes. Snooker, yeah. yeah, some fathers now are doing things that is not giving a picture of what a biblical idea of a father is. Fathers now defer to their women a lot. There's no clear line of authority and order in the family. So that, say, okay, go and talk to your mama. Anything your mama say, that's what we will do. No, it is father who is the head of the home, is in charge of the family, and that role must be respected. It's a difficult role. It is an important role. It's a divine role. It's as if God, having created the world, gave the man his own signature to continue procreating. So being a father is responsibility. It's much, much, much than the other one. Of course, many young men, when they are getting into marriage, the first fascination is, is the other thing. But the other thing is just like two or three percent of the whole work of a father. Because sooner or later, my friends, you're going to discover that that other thing will count less if your head is not in the right place in a marriage. The story before us this morning in the book of Luke chapter 15 is about a man that had no name. Jesus gave this story to rebuke the Pharisees' idea that his love for sinners were misplaced. Jesus was loving bad people, tax collectors, and those whom the society sees as reject prostitutes, people like Zacchaeus, and he, they were criticizing him for not being a proper prophet. And then he gave the story in chapter 15 to explain the father's heart for sinners. So chapter 15 begins with the story of the lost sheep. And then run the second story with the story of the lost coin. And then this one, the lost, or the prodigal son. The story of prodigal son is, I don't want to go into the story of prodigal Today is not the issue of prodigal son. It's about the father. How the father uh, reacted or conducted himself when the son uh, went away from home. And there are about four things I want to mention very quickly and then we'll be out of this place. 
the first thing I want us to consider with me is that the, 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 the love of fathers, this particular, this, particular this man, is so deep. And it is shown, first of all, in the pain that he endures. In the pain that he endures. Look at verse 20 where we read. And the guy came back to the father. Verse 20. And he arose and came back to his father. To his father. And this pain is, is, is loaded in that statement. He came back to his father. Whose father? The father of a wicked boy. Ultimately, it is his father. Even though he is a wrong child at this moment, he is his father. He is his father. He is coming back home to roost. This man now has to bear the liability of a son that is not listening. A son that is not respectful. It's so painful. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 20 speak of the fact that a wise son is, brings honor to his father, rejoices the heart of a father. But the foolish son brings pain to the mother. You cannot imagine the pain that wicked children brings to their father. Oh goodness. How many of you have watched this movie called The Gladiator? I've mentioned it once in a while. The film Gladiator was an American Hollywood movie, blockbuster, that uh, retold the story of Caesar Marcus Aurelius uh, as Roman emperor. When Caesar has fought his final battle with uh, the, uh, the, the barbarian or the Germania, he will not allow his throne to pass on to his son named Commodus. And, and Commodus was upset that Caesar is not doing him the honor of passing over the throne to him. And he was so upset and he began to talk to the father with tears. He said, Father, once you wrote me a letter and you, you spoke to me about four virtues and say on the list of the four virtues that you mentioned, I had none of those virtues in them. But I have my own virtues that are different from yours. And then he began to mention them ambition, uh, resourcefulness. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and then the father said, and the father became so broken when the son was tearing and, and held him in embrace. Of course, he killed him as he held his father. But the father says something, Caesar. He said, son, your fault as a son is my failure as a father. Sometimes we think when the prodigal son went away, the father just said, is that what you think was happening? The pain, the liability that you are the father of, of a whoremonger cannot be calculated. It is incalculable to think of being a father of, of a failure, a monumental failure. How many of you have been to school before during the prize giving days? They are saying, overall best student, Oluwalekami Johnson. You see the father, you know, as if, and then they go and collect. 
the overall best in primary one, Oluwalakami Johnson. Oh, yeah. The overall best. Now, your own children are still with you. It's like, I'm paying for nothing. <laughs> Even though they are having third or fourth, that first position, eh? And on the price giving day, now the father of this one that's taking, I've been to a school where a single girl is taking like five gifts in a row. And then you are like, <laughs> what are we doing here? You know? What are we doing here? You can see the pride. The same way parents share in the joy of their children's success. It is the same way they share in the pain of their failures. The fault of this boy as a son is the pain of the father. The father endures the pain and waits for this guy's return. He came back to his father. A foolish boy coming back to his father. his father. Secondly, we have seen the pain he endures. Oh, the patient, the patient that he displayed. Look at verse 20 again. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. We don't know how long the father waited but what a patient man that he could sit there and watch his son or the turn back home, always waiting for the son. If you look at the language of that text properly, the father was always waiting for this young man to come back. He was full of patience. There are a lot of things, if I were that father, that I want to sort out with that boy when he comes back. But the father straight away held him and kissed him and had compassion on him and brings him home. That is patience at work here. Endurance at work here. Parenting is painful. Parenting is patience. If you're not patient with your children, eh, you will kill them. Oh, I've, I've seen father that will say, you are not my son again. Tomorrow they are paying the, the school fees of the person they say it's not their son again. Next time again, he said, Madam, look at your son. And they say, Look at your son, you know what it means. This is not my own. This is your go and get where go and give him his, his. but it's patience. If you're not patient, some impatient father curse their children. I've heard fathers in my own here they say, My son, he shall not be well with you. If if not me born you, you don't go succeed. Oga, patience. This man was so patient. This young man took away half of his father's estate and squandered it and came back. And the man took him back. Parenting from the angle of God is patience. It's painful. It's also with patience. Thirdly, Parenting is powerful. Being a father with the depth of love is seen by the power that this man displays, the power he displays. When this young man came back, look at verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. 
And then the son began to speak. And the guy was listening to the babbling of his son. Uh, but immediately he said, they should bring cow, they should bring clothes and cover this guy. You know, the challenge with the older brother was that he think parenting should be democratized. That when this guy came back, maybe the man will have kept him in a hood while he discussed with the mama and then the other members of the family. No, the man took decision on the boy straight away. Because this is his child, this is his boy, and this is his house. He did not negotiate pardon with the community leaders or with anybody around. He took that decision to get this boy back home alone. Being a father means power. And if it is used very well, it will save a lot of things. Assuming this man is like some of our fathers who want to not talk to Mama, Mama Yemika and, and say, what do you think? No, it's not what you think. It's my boy. He's back home. Uh, the son was angry. <laughs> it's my son. He's back home. And this, and this is, this is, this is great to see that being a father is, is, is confer on you an executive power to take decisions. It is painful to see fathers who are full of equivocation. Uh, today they are here, tomorrow they are here, today they are here, tomorrow they are here. And, and because of the rise of feminism, we are, we are having fathers who are not, who don't have balls. And they are always afraid of, of their wife. There is a difference between consulting and deferring to your wife and being afraid of your wife. And even your children. To the extent that what is the, if the scripture is to be written again, instead of children, obey your father, it should be written, fathers, obey your children and your wife. Authority, power. And this could be seen in Isaac. When God spoke to Abraham to, to give up Isaac, he, he gave him up. Father, thus have power of decisions. Of course, those decisions should be tampered with common sense. There's a difference between love and fear. But we say there's no fear in love. If you fear your wife, you are in trouble. I know what people are thinking. So you need to fear your wife. I don't know. That's, that's a separate matter. <laughs> the depth of this man's love is seen in the pain he endures, in the patience that he, that he, uh, he shows us. He listened to this boy. The boy could still talk. You know? And then in the power that he displays. Number four. The pleasure that it provides. The pleasure of fatherhood. The pleasure that this love pro provides. Look at the celebration that happens in this family now. Verse 22. The father said to the servant, Bring quickly the best robe and put on him. 
Put the ring on his hand. Shoes on his feet. Bring the calf. Kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. This my son was dead and alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry or celebrate. And this is... The, the, the rejoicing now, the father is not rejoicing that the, father, that the son was foolish, isn't it? Is, is that what you are seeing here? He's not happy to thank God I have a foolish son. No. He's rejoicing, first of all, because he believes that, that ch- children are always children. You know, there's a proverb in Andrew's language that said, an okra cannot be too tall, cannot be taller than the owner of the farm. Children, even at, if many of you are in your 50s, you still have fathers who still look at you as their son, isn't it? As big as Ayo is, his mother will be thinking, Has he eaten? <laughs> He's still worried that Ayo has not eaten. I mean, you'll be, you'll, be, you'll be so amazed how our old parents think about us. As big as Felix is, the parents think that it's their child, their baby. Children will always be children. So when the boy came back, the boy has framed to drip the father a second time, you know? The boy came, said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to my father and tell him this. And say, Father, I have sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be your child anymore. But hired me. You know, it's, it's, hire who? <laughs> hire who? You know, he, in his mind, he thinks he's smart. He's not smart. The father could look at the foolishness of him even talking. So the guy came back and he's he, he, he still talking. It shows that the boy is still is, is a child. He's a grown-up man, but a grown-up, he, he has the mind of a child. And the father did not even mention anything about him. He said, I bet, forget about this guy. He's his son. The rejoice that his child has come back. Because if it's, if, if it's really your child, he will come back. Secondly, the issue, he look at the issue of deadness. This boy needs to be pitied. He needs to rejoice because what happened to this boy is akin to deadness. He's dead. He was dead. Sin is death. He's coming back. He's seen as a resurrection. And I said, big theology there. I'm trying to avoid heavy theology here today. You see this boy. When, when, when this child was in sin, what the father is thinking is that, oh my goodness, my son is dead. Sin and good life cannot cohabit. A sinner is dead while in sin. So that he come back repenting, rejoices the father. Rejoices the father. And then they began to celebrate. Celebrate. Friends, being a father comes with pain. Being a father comes with a lot of patience. Being a father comes with a lot of power. And that power must be used cleverly, carefully, through the lens of the word of God. And also it comes with pleasure. It comes with pleasure. All the pain, the patience will pay off if you don't give up on your family. One day, the, the useless, the so-called useless boy becomes the breadwinner of uh, all the family. Haven't you seen that before? That the bad boy in the family becomes the breadwinner of the family much, much later? 
As long as your children are still alive, you can't give up on them. You can't give up on them. Sometimes as fathers, I'm talking to you, because I know this church, you're going to have many children, and we are good with plenty of children. Don't, sometimes we think, well, we have four children, and then you are favoring one or two, because one look like you, and the one that look like you is your favorite. They call them junior. Sometimes it's junior that falls Baba Han, isn't it? There's a story in the New Testament. Two boys, the father calls them to go to farm. He he say, you, go to my farm. I want to say, yes, sir, I'm on my way. I don't go. The other one said, dad, I'm not going. And later, the one that said, I'm not going, went. The one that said, I'm gone. Uh, (laughs) He said, this man don't understand (laughs) Went and played with uh, Jacob. And then that was him. <laughs> with his friends. And Jesus said, with, with these two, who will you prefer? Junior, or the one that obeys. Even the lockdown. So parents, be careful. Love your children. It's painful to love difficult children, but love them nevertheless. Don't say, ah, thank God I have five children. Even if two are bad, these three remain. Who told you? All of them are your children, isn't it? You don't know what God will use them to do tomorrow. A bad boy can become a pastor tomorrow. Endure the pain. Don't be afraid of the liability that comes with parenting and then defray your responsibility to other people. It's your child. There's a guy that shot uh, people in the, in the U.S. That's about 10 years ago. Killed 78 students. And then he was arrested. And on CNN, within an hour, the father was there. The father was in the school there. And they began to interview him. And he said, what my son, he can't to my son, he didn't say what he has done. He said, what my son had done is reprehensible. He said, oh, apologies to all the parents that lost their children today. And he began, the man was crying. He said, my son had done bathing. He said, meanwhile, I want the media to respect my privacy because I want to go see my son in prison. They might want to go to see his son because he must provide for him a lawyer, <laughs> regardless. Endure the pain of fatherhood and enjoy the fruit later. Don't be a weak father who, well, I don't know how to say my, I don't want to offend many people. If you go to prayer houses, between the men and women, how many people, are, between men and women, how many, the sex, what is the population of those who have, is it men and women that are finding prayer house more or the men? Why are they there most times? The children, their husband. Oh, when you go to prayer house and women are crying, oh, it's about their children. There are three things. Either they are looking for uh, a child. They are looking for a child. They are looking for a child for you. Or they are praying for their children whose stars have been exchanged. <laughs> or their husband, who one strange woman is clearing his pocket. They are praying for you. 
It is only when the child is good that some father will appear from nowhere and say, that, that, That's my child there. That's my child there. I lived in the city of Joss at one point of my life, and I, I saw the early days of uh, Mikel Obi, or the father. And providentially, one day I was traveling, and I was in the same bus with uh, Mikel Obi's father. The man was full of pride. He said, I'm Mikel Obi's father. Nobody has even asked him anything. He said, I'm Mikel Obi's father. Uh, who wants to know? But it's okay, it's cool. But the man has forgotten. The beating he used to give that boy. Call him useless boy. Fathers, I want by the grace of God to, to look at this man as a good example of how a man can endure pain and be patient and listen and embrace and kiss and give second chances and celebrate over a child. As I close today, this sermon will not make sense if you don't write it to the father who is in heaven. What pain he has endured. Oh, what pain he has endured. How do we become and behave like our father in heaven? Look at the pain he endures. The day Adam fell. The day Adam fell. Father was there. Adam, where are thou? And they were giving cock and bull story. He was there. He punished them, but he clothed them. He sent them out of the Garden of Eden, but he protected them. It is for Adam's sake and his children that he sent his son to die to remedy the foolishness of Adam. He didn't say to I wash off my hand. God never washed off his hand from his own people. Israel were his child. He said, Israel is my firstborn. Israel as a nation completely were incorrigible. He warned them again and again and again. Sending prophet to them again and again. In their wickedness, he provides for them rain. He gives them food. But he will punish them. He will punish them. He will restore them. It's a cycle of punishment and restoration, of punishment and restoration, and punishment and restoration. Be like God. Now, as God places you in the corridor of power, of being a father, you should understand this, that the same way God was patient with you, you must show that same patience with your family. The same way God punishes our sin, the story, we don't know how God, the father, end up with the, I'm sure after the celebration, two, three, four days later, there should be a father and son uh, talk. If that did not happen, that's a bad story, isn't it? No good father will spare punishments. Even in forgiveness, there must be a commensurate punishment for sin committed. We should not confuse love and punishment. But for the sake of love, you must punish your child who has erred. You must. And this is even seen in the story of this prodigal son. When the boy came to ask for his father's property, the father knew that the boy would make a wreck. But he let him go. So he can burn his fingers and come back. We must be like God. 
and suffer the pain and be patient with our children and grab them back when they come back. That's how we'll be like our father. Let me speak to children. Make your father's work easy. They are trying. If you have a trying father, not all parents are trying actually. Some parents only drink. They will take their wife's business money. To, uh, they are not in this church. But your father, a good father, think about you every day. Think about your school fees every day. Think about the house rent every day. Make their work easy by obeying them. And for all of us who are here today, we are God's children. So even if you don't have an earthly father, you have a father who is in heaven, who is watching over you, who is buried with your wickedness. When you go to those secret places to do the bad things that you do, your father is watching. You are breaking his heart. Make God happy today and come back home. He's providing food for you, give you breath of life, watch over you, and all you can do today is to come back to him through Christ and be saved. And the Bible says there is joy in heaven. Not just in heaven. See, there is joy in the presence of God when a sinner comes back. When the prodigal comes back, there is joy in heaven. Make heaven happy today by turning away from your sin. You are hurting your father who is in heaven. He loves you. His love for you is so deep, you can't go under it. It's so high, you can't go above it. It's so wide, you can't go around it. Don't abuse his love for you. Come back to him. He waits for you daily, eagerly, for you to return back. He is such a patient father. He can bear all the pains you are throwing at him. And if you don't come back, his patience will not last forever. A day will come when you have to answer him and that will be in the lake of fire that burns with brimstone and sulfur. I offer you Christ today. Wicked children, I offer you Christ today. Stubborn children, I offer you Christ today. Who is a loving father? Comes to him and be safe. My dear co-fathers in this house, it's painful to be a father but it's pleasurable to be a father. Happy Father's Day. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be a father. And I bless everyone in this house today who desire to be one and grant them good homes and grant that those who are fathers now will be responsible and fear you and lead and raise their children through pain, through toil, through tears, through patience, through forbearance, but by exuding power and authority and clearness in this age that we live in. Bless all the fathers here today. May they see the good days of their children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.